Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Just One More Thing. Today, we're covering the February 5th sermon called Anticipating the Great Reveal. And so let's start off there. Where'd you get this title from? Why anticipating the great reveal? Because a lot of people have different attitudes toward that time where everything will be exposed. Uh, Some people live in fear of that time, that culmination where they will have to give an account or their motives will be exposed. So I think Peter wants his audience, even though they're going through trials, even though they're going through hard times and suffering, He wants to give them a perspective where they actually look forward to the king exposing their works or acknowledging who they have become, essentially, because that goes back to the living hope. It goes back to the inheritance they have. They look forward to what lies on the other side because there's so much that they've banked there. And so... uh, I thought anticipating the great reveal is the attitude that Peter wanted his readers to have, and it's the attitude I wanted Sunrisers to have as well. So one of the things that came to mind was this idea of the proven genuineness of your faith, or the ESV says the tested genuineness of your faith, talking about what these trials are doing. And we talked about how going through these trials, it's preparing us when we're refined through these trials for glory and honor and praise when Jesus Christ is revealed. Let's stop there for a second. Uh, One of the things I brought out in the sermon is that praise and glory and honor, it is reflected back on the readers. I think people read that verse very quickly and they uh, assume praise, glory, and honor is associated with Christ, that, that that's what we will give him. But Peter seems to indicate here is that's what we will receive. We will receive fame. We will receive a reputation. We will receive uh, respect. So that, that's one aspect of it. Okay, so let's just kind of acknowledge that and put that over, over here. And now your question is? So the question that I have is this idea of the tested genuineness of your faith. The Christian Standard Bible, which I thought was helpful, says, um, so that the proven character of your faith, um, instead of tested genuineness, because I I think I was getting hung up on the word genuineness. Can you explain a little bit what that is? Okay, so let me ask you, uh, what would be the, in my opinion, misconceived idea or perception of that that would lead us astray, but probably the most common perception of that. How would you interpret that? Sure. I mean, it's real faith versus fake faith, or you say you believe, but you don't really act like it, you know, that kind of thing. So that's when I hear genuine, especially as a, in a sentence linked with faith, that's kind of where the conversation tends to go. But as we know, there's no quote unquote genuine faith as opposed to you know, it's either faith or not. Exactly. So uh, a lot of people will uh, modify the word faith. They will talk about genuine faith, sincere faith, real faith, false faith, true faith. Um, And yet the Bible just speaks of faith. 
So I do like that translation about the character of your faith. See, here's the thing. A lot of people will see themselves in a role, and they'll, they'll most of the time see themselves as the victor. What I mean by that is a lot of times we look at the actions of another person um, and we say, well, if I were in their shoes, I would have acted thus and such. I can tell you guys do this on Monday. It's called Monday morning quarterback. When we look at a football game and we say, oh, he should have thrown it to the guy over on the left side of the field. He was wide open. That's what he should have done. Yeah, but if you were in that position, would you have done that? You know, so a lot of us like Monday morning quarterbacking, uh, but we haven't been given the chance to play that position. That's what I think is going on here. The people Peter addresses are going through real trials, real tribulation, and they're being asked the question, are they going to remain true to Christ or not? And he is encouraging them to do that. The character of their faith is going to show forth by them standing with Christ. I think there's an interesting parallel to this. Um, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible speaks about Noah being a righteous man in his age or in his time. And, uh, you know, it adds that phrase uh, because when you compare Noah to other people in, in his day, he was following God. He was following God's star and not the culture. And so I think what's going on in Peter is, is the same thing. Peter's encouraging them to look beyond their circumstances, but their circumstances actually give them the soil, as it were, to grow their faith, to experience and grow their character, and to become the people of God that God desires them to be. God knows exactly how much testing they will need to develop the character he desires uh, for them to develop. The opposite of this, Paul will talk about in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, when he says people that are blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It's just going along with the crowd. You know, their faith is not being developed, as it were. So maybe that brings some clarity to this, because remember, all of their actions are about adding to the inheritance that they are building and that they are getting. So I don't think it has anything to do with whether they are saved or not. He's talked about that in chapter uh, 1, verse 3, when he says, God has saved us, God has birthed us. And there's never a question. He's not questioning whether they are really saved or not. I think that's reading into the text a theology that Peter just, quite frankly, is not presenting. That's bringing our theology from the outside into the text. Sure. And I know um, a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, you brought in the parable of the soils. Um, and so it sounds like when we talk about the proven character of your faith, these are trials that, like you said, it, it, well, it kind of tills and prepares the soil so that the roots roots can go deeper. Fruit, more fruit, fruit much, much fruit. fruit. Yes. Right. But, you know, it, we live in an age where everybody wants an award. We live, at, we, we live in an age of participation awards. That's not what God's about. Quite frankly, uh, I said something the week before. You know, the bad news is, 
and this might sound like good news, but the bad news is we have grown up in the freest time known to mankind in the 250 years of our of our country here. We have had more religious freedom than, than anybody has ever experienced in in one span of time. We have uh, we are so privileged and we've been able to worship without threats. That's the bad news. Well, why is that bad news? Because we haven't been given the opportunity to stand for our faith. The good news is, I think that time is coming when we will have to stand for our faith. We will have to decide, do we follow the culture or do we stand for Christ? Do we follow the general consensus of what people have agreed upon or do we follow what God's words is? And that day is coming to us very quickly. So we are going to have the chance to uh, have the character of our faith tested, as it were. Does this tie into the idea in Philippians when he, I think it's Philippians, when he talks about to work out your faith? Work out your own salvation. Yeah, work out your salvation. Yeah. I guess that. I think it has everything to do in Philippians when Paul says, um, I want to know him and the, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Because we suffer with Christ. That's not lost on God, our sufferings. Uh, it's, it's not lost on God. And so, um, you know, there are Christians around the world that are—it costs them to worship Christ in a Muslim country. And, and, and I in no way think that when we get to heaven, I will have the same rewards or position that they will have when they have had to stand for Christ in unbelievable environments, and quite frankly, I've had it so easy in this environment. You know, all of this goes to the, to the end of my sermon when I was talking about, uh, you know, the whole thing of training and working out and developing the character that we are becoming, the human beings we are becoming, that will fit into heaven. You know, you think about it. Some of us will fit into heaven very, very well. I mean, it's going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm home. I fit. The desires, the, the things that I embraced on the temporary side, those things were out of sync in that world, but in this world they fit. On the other hand, there's those of us that feel right at home in this world, and those things just feel like they fit in this world. They're going to be out of sync in the next world. And I think that's the, the thing Peter's trying to encourage them uh, with, is that their suffering is not in vain. God's going to use that for a greater purpose in their life. Their suffering has not gone unnoticed by God. I think I just thought of your next video clip, Andy Griffith, the stranger, when he comes to town and he fits in perfectly because he knows everything about everyone, and it's a very smooth transition for him. And it freaks everybody out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for, for breaking that down. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church.